Imagine if you could sit down at your desk in the morning, piping hot coffee in hand, you could pop open your laptop, double click on a document on your desktop that says life plan, so you could check on what's happening this week, this month, or even this year. Well, I wanna help you create that plan. Let's spend five days together making a roadmap for your future so that you can live all the rest of your days on purpose. Yes, you can own the future that's coming your way. The five-day Own Your Future Challenge is absolutely free to join, and I've got a spot with your name on it. Don't let another week, month, year, or even decade pass you by without owning the vision for who you want to become and the impact you want to make while you're alive. This is five free days of learning from incredible world leaders, helping you to uncover who you truly are and leading you to craft a roadmap and set goals aligned with the future meant for you. This is important. Join me and other amazing global leaders and experts to help you own your future starting May 11th. You can join right now for free at jennaschallenge.com. That's jennaschallenge.com for the five-day Own Your Future Challenge. I can't wait to see you there. From day one, November 22nd, 2017, the Gold Digger podcast has welcomed over 125 women to share their stories of life and business and growth and to inspire us all with their actionable tips and rock solid advice to help us navigate our own big goals. Until today, I have never sat up to the mic with a male guest and I'm breaking the trend and ending the all female streak in this bonus episode because I know this guest brings with him a truly transformational message and a reputation in the world of business that precedes him. Today, I welcome the Tony Robbins to the Gold Digger podcast. Now, he needs no introductions, but Tony Robbins is an entrepreneur, a best-selling author, a philanthropist, and the number one life and business strategist in the country. More than 50 million people have enjoyed the warmth, humor, and transformational power of Tony's business and personal development events, webinars, and one-on-one coaching. His books have landed at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. His business holdings exceed $5 billion a year. Tony Robbins helps people live a healthier, wealthier, more fulfilling, passionate, and purposeful life. And he helps close the gap between where they are and where they want to be. We're talking about how we as women can step up to the plate, the five things really needed to make change in your life, why sometimes it takes investing in ourselves to truly transform. And let me just tell you, his closing call out to ladies gave me goosebumps. So without further ado, here is our first male guest, Tony Robbins. You're listening to the Gold Digger Podcast, where we firmly believe that work doesn't have to feel like work. Self-made millionaire and marketing guru, Jenna Kutcher, will help you redefine what success looks like. It's time to hear from the experts, listen in on honest conversations, and learn the best tips and tricks that helped others pave their own way and craft their dream career. If you're ready to dig in, do the work, and tackle your biggest goals, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, photographer, and mac and cheese lover, Jenna Kutcher. All right, Tony, these are some big shoes to fill. You are the first man besides my husband that has been on this show. So welcome to the Gold Digger podcast. Wow, I'm filling some big <laughs> shoes. <laughs> it's well, going to be great. I got a few questions to start with. Look, I, I want your audience to know, first of all, I'm a fan. I do my homework on everybody, but 
I'm sure your audience knows that you are what I'm all about. You're a woman that just took the bull by the horns. Would you spend $300 on your first camera on Craigslist? Oh, you bet. (laughs) And you, because you not only developed great skills in your own area, but you then shared them and helped other people, you know, now you're in the seven figure category and you get to have time with your baby. She's Mm -hmm. three months old. Yeah, three months. I mean, I'm in touch. Why did you pick me to be the first male on here? I want to know that first. (laughs) I mean, what an opportunity. And I think what is so incredible about you is that the way that you speak, you speak into people's lives through their own experiences. And so you showing up and sharing your story is allowing people to see themselves reflected through your experiences. And I think, I mean, we talk about the power of storytelling all the time on this show because that's what we build our lives on is these stories we're living. So you are going to be a great guest. And I just want to welcome, I know there are male listeners out there. So they're probably throwing up the praise hands that you're here along with everyone else. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on. I'm honored. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, most of the world knows everything about you. You need no introduction, but I would love to hear you in your own words, share kind of your elevator pitch so that we know exactly who you are, what you do and who you create for. Well, uh, if you saw Shallow Howe, my elevator pitch is a little aggressive. (laughs) I love that movie. (laughs) No, sincerely, I've just been doing this for 42 years. I've been basically, I'm an obsessive person and I've been obsessed with Want to know what makes the difference in the quality of people's lives and in their performance, both, but most importantly in their lives. You know, how is it that somebody can grow up with a great family and a lot of love and great education and maybe even great economic environment? And a lot of those people spend their life going in and out of rehab. And then you see the Oprahs of the world, you know, where life has stomped on them. Life has been, they've been through so much injustice. And yet they're the same human beings that because of that, they develop this hunger. You know, they never forget their roots and they never want to stop growing. They never want to stop helping other people. And so I have that same root background, but I didn't have it to start with. I mean, I had four fathers. I grew up in a really tough environment. And I remember asking my mom, you know, which one of these guys is my dad? And it didn't build much rapport with my mom. And I was like, why are we in this place? And, you know, when I was in school, I was junior high school, high school. I was not the popular kid in school, but I love people. And I noticed the most popular kid was so mean to me, my friends and I. I was like, how could this guy be popular? So it made me obsessive to understand, I guess, human psychology, wanting to know what drives people to be the way they are. And I began to recognize patterns. And I began to realize that what we call ourselves, and especially the things we don't like about ourselves, they're not us. We're more than that. It's just the pattern you've gotten caught up in. We're the only creatures on the planet that can have a pattern that makes us feel angry. You know, we can think a thought and get angry and think a different thought and be excited. We can think a thought and or take an action, a pattern makes us fail. We can take another one, make us succeed. And it's not that difficult, but it's difficult when you're trying to change yourself and you see if there's something wrong with you. So that's why, you know, if, if anyone has seen my Netflix special, it's called Tony Robbins, I'm Not Your Guru, because it's about, look, you don't need, there's nothing wrong with you. You don't need to be fixed. You're not broken, but society tends to make us believe that. And so what happened for me is I started to recognize these patterns that could change people in minutes. And then I started getting the call. You know, I started getting the call from athletes and business people. And I mean, I, you know, I get a phone call, for example, from Serena Williams, and she's melting down at the U.S. Open. You know, I don't know if you remember her sister, you know, that was passed away. It was a brutal situation. And I got to deliver right now. And the whole world's watching it. If I don't deliver, there's no net. I got to produce the result. And when you put yourself in a situation like that, where you have to deliver, when you You burn the boats. If you want to take the island, that's what you do. You burn the boats. It's amazing what you can do and what you can discover. And the one you do something successfully, you build on it. And I get a phone call when uh, the child is suicidal or the adult. And, you know, knock on wood, in 42 years I've been doing this, I've never lost one. And we've got thousands. And we, you know, just like the films, we follow up. 
three years later, five years later to show people these are changes that last because they're changing people's beliefs and their core values and the way they make decisions and the way they feel as human beings. And so, you know, once you learn that, you know, to never lose a suicide is extraordinary, but it's easy when you begin to realize that whatever people do, they got a reason. If somebody is willing to try and kill themselves, it's because they think living is more painful than dying. If someone's willing to run into a building as a first responder and risk their own life for a stranger, they have to believe and value something different than other people. And once they learn those patterns, I can help anyway. I started getting phone calls from President of the United States, President Clinton way back then saying, Tony, they're going to impeach me in the morning. What should I do? <laughs> And I'm 31 years old. And I was like, hey, Mr. President, could you call me sooner? You know? <laughs> but these situations put me on the line where I had to learn in real time how to produce results. And then I got good at not only knowing how to do this, but then teaching other people to do it. And then I started you know, producing seminars where I realized most people, they want the result. They want the education, but they don't want to be educated. They want to be entertained. So I developed formats where I could take you know, these days 10 to 50,000 people at a time for a weekend, literally football stadiums, basketball stadiums, and people that wouldn't sit for a three-hour movie and get them completely connected. People are going to drag there and say it's one of the greatest experiences of their life because it isn't about me. It's about meeting their deepest psychological needs. They come for one reason. I kind of look at myself as a Trojan horse. It's like I give them what they want. They want to lose weight. They want to grow their business. They want to earn more money. They want to transform their relationship or create one. They want to do something with their kid. And I've obsessed for 42 years on the best skills in all those areas. I have the skills. But then I also go and give them what they need, which is a transformation in their own psychology to where their life becomes about something meaningful, about more than just themselves. And that's allowed me to grow to these giant events and travel around the world. And now I'm also, I've gotten good at business because I'm obsessed with adding value. I'm obsessed with finding a way to do more for others than anybody else. And when you do it ongoingly and you learn skills, so now I have 54 companies giving an idea, 12 that I actively manage. We do 6 billion in business and about eight different industries from you know, from a stem cell business to I own the LEFC football club, help build a stadium in LA and that's in soccer to, you know, VTOP Resort in Fiji. So I have a lot of diversity and, and I just love the idea that life never gets boring. There's always something more to learn, share and to grow. And I get lit up by lighting other people up, not just by motivating them. I've never been a motivator. I certainly know how to inspire people, but to give them strategies and tools that really work and can compress decades into days that can save you so much time and energy and so much pain. I suffered so much. I don't want anybody else to suffer and I want them to have the life they deserve. So that's my mission. That's the path I'm on. Ugh, I love that. And I dug so deeply into your story. And I remember just hearing about like how you read all of these books and you realize like if people have studied something for 10 years and they're putting it into a book and I can learn it in a few hours or even a day, like that was, you know, it's just, it makes so much sense. And you know, what's so funny is, and not funny at the same time is I pulled my audience the other day and 38% of my followers, almost a million followers had never financially invested in growing or starting their own business or chasing their own dreams. And I love the quote, those who pay, pay attention. And so I'm so curious, like what was the first investment, like the real investment that you made for your own personal development or business? And how did that impact your trajectory? That's a great question. Very few people ask me a question of that nature, but it, it started when I was still working as a janitor. I, my family was really poor, so I worked as a janitor, I worked as a busboy. And then on the weekends, while I was still in high school, I was also, you know, I was 5'1", myself a year in high school. I'm now 6'7", so I grew 10 inches in a year. It was a painful process, but <laughs> it made me big. And so people wanted me to help move things for them. And so there was a man that was a friend of my family that I remember one day my dad said, this guy used to be such a loser and now he's so successful. And it really intrigued me. 
And so I, I heard he needed somebody to do moving. He was buying homes and flipping them in, in Southern California in the 1970s. So here I am, 17 years old, and I go work with him. I work my tail off. At the end of the day, he's paying me. And I said, you know, you could keep the money if you'd answer a question for me. He goes, well, what's the question? I said, well, my dad said you used to be such a loser. <laughs> You're so successful. <laughs> Only kids can do this stuff, right? And he said, your dad said what? And I said, I don't want to get my dad in trouble. But he goes, well, it's true. I used to be. And I said, what changed you? And he said, I went to this seminar. And I said, what the hell is a seminar? And he said, well, this man, you know, who has accumulated 30, 40 years of life experience kind of compresses it and teaches you the best of what he's learned in like three or four hours. And then you can save all this time. I said, wow, that's intriguing. I said, could you get me in? And he said, yeah. And there was a pause. And I said, well, will you? And he said, no. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? No, I just worked my tail off for you. He goes, yeah, use your money and buy a ticket. I said, how much is it? And he said, $35 for three and a half hours. And I was making $40 a week as a janitor. And I don't remember I made that day. It was like 20 bucks. I said, that's a week's pay. He said, well, you know, just go on and live your own life and learn by your own experience and waste a few decades. He said, or, and I'll never forget, he said, compress decades into days and go learn from this man. And so I, I really wrestled. It was a giant decision. I was, you know, whatever you make for a week, it was a week's pay and I didn't have any extra money and I was responsible to help my family. But I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get to where I wanted, where I can really be a force for good, this man's a force for good. I got to find out what he's doing. So I took a week's pay. I went down to the seminar and I, you know, at that point I was already reading. I took a speed reading course and, you know, I ran to read a book a day. I didn't do that, but I read over seven years, 700 books in the area of human development, psychology, physiology, anything that could change somebody. So I'd already read a lot of books and he would say things like, I finished the sentences. You know, I was just an outrageous <laughs> kid. And then I went up to him and I said, listen, I, I'd really like to work for you. And he said, well, I said, but you know, I, he said, if you want to work for me, you got to buy all my courses. And he had these like two day course, it was $1,200, you know, you know, that was 1977. So, you know, it'd be something like, you know, $10,000 today or eight, five, $8,000, something in that range. And I, that was way beyond it. And I was sleeping in my car. You know, I, I bought this, this Volkswagen. My mom kept my car when she kicked me out. She kicked my dad out and thought I was on the side. So I was on my own. And I'm sleeping in this old Volkswagen in this rumpled jacket and trying to convince this guy that I want to work for you. And he, he said, young man, everybody gets what they have to have. Some people have to be rich. Some people have to survive. Decide which one you are. And he said, I'm not your banker. I said, no, but if you loan me the money, I'll pay it back. And I'll tell everybody this great story of how you helped me. And he's like, no, 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 you got to figure it out. So I literally, I'm 17 years old. I'm sleeping in my car. I went from bank to bank trying to borrow money. And I got really good at knowing they're going to say no. It was like when I walked in, you know, just one <laughs> look at me. And then I was, I finally, I'd done this for about a week. I'd been to like seven banks. And fortunately, I'd read that Walt Disney had gone to 302 banks where he got his first loan. So, you know, I've only been to six or seven, but I don't run out of time to get to the course. <laughs> So I, outside the Bank of America in a place called West Covina, California on Citrus Avenue, I, I made this dynamic move with my body, trying to like jerk myself into a state of certainty. I didn't even know what I was doing back then, but now I do know what I was doing. And I walked in, and I looked for somebody who looked persuadable. And I have to say, honestly, it was this beautiful soul, this woman had these kind eyes. Her name was Mrs. Williams. And I stormed up to her and I said, listen, I said, my name is Tony Robbins and I'm here to borrow $1,200. I don't want to do that so I can go on vacation or to fix my car. I want to do it for something important. I want to do it so I can attend a seminar. She started giggling, which was not a good sign. But the long story shortened, uh, by the time I was done, I was like, what do you want to do this for? I said, I want to help in those days, hundreds of thousands of people. I'm going to help myself and help hundreds of thousands of people. I didn't even think in terms of millions of people at that time. And she laughed and she said, well, you know, with all this energy, I think you're going to do some. I'd like to see it be positive. And she looks at my app and she starts saying, well, she goes, Citrus Avenue. I put my address down and, and she goes, I don't know if there's any apartments on Citrus Avenue. It's this large commercial street that goes through three cities. 
And I said, well, I kind of have a mobile home. Yeah. <laughs> staying at 7-Eleven was 24 hours. I parked around the side to commit the mailman. I could use my mail there and pick it up. And I couldn't lie. So I told her the whole story and her eyeballs got really big. And she goes, we're supposed to loan you money and we can send the bill to 7-Eleven? I said, no, no, I won't be there forever, you know? And then she looked and says, you're 17, you're not even legal for a contract. I said, well, I said, how old do you got to be? She said, 18. I said, I'll be 18 soon. She said, how soon? I said, real soon. How soon do you have to be 18? It was like two weeks later. Long story short, she finally said to me, I don't think the bank's going to loan you the money. I went to this presentation. You got to get it for me. I got to do this. And she said, but you know what? I believe in you so much. She said, if the bank will loan you the money, I will. Aww. She said, well, you got to look me in the eye and say, I'll never have to look for you. And, and she eventually convinced the bank to loan me $1,200. And I took that money. And I went to the seminar and I met a guy there named Mike Keyes, who's still my friend today, 42 years later. He wasn't as broke as I was, but almost. He had enough money for a hotel room, so he let me stay with him. And he and I, there were a lot of people there, they could pay for the seminar, it was easy. But we counted the words. At one point, I think we said it was three cents a word. Like he said, blah, we wrote it down. You know, didn't go to the bathroom. But I, I poured so much value in it. It was such a giant investment in my life that I was damn committed that I was going to fall through. So your little phrase that you said, those who pay, pay attention. I got to tell you, I've lived that. And out of that experience, I learned fundamental things, really basic things. You know, for things to change, you got to change. For things to get better, you got to get better. I learned time management tools. I learned some basic financial tools. But I'll tell you the most valuable thing that I learned, Jenna, that I hope your audience hears me on. We live in a capitalist society. Another word for capitalist is free enterprise, which means freedom. And if you look around now, we're hearing all this conversation about socialism versus capitalism. And I know why. You know, you look at the society, you and I are talking off the air, 60% of Americans have not even saved $1,000 for retirement. 40% of Americans, just a new study just came out, say that in an emergency, they couldn't come up with $400. The reason is they own an iPhone, but they aren't an entrepreneur or business person, and they haven't invested in one. And they own an iPhone, but they don't own Apple. They use, you know, every day they ship something from Amazon, but they don't own Amazon. They use Google, but they don't own any piece. They weren't taught the secret that I learned in that seminar. I'll tell you the seminar I, I learned. I was wondering, why? Why do I have four fathers and why do we have no money for food on Thanksgiving? The reason I provide 100 million meals a year, it started with me feeding two people and four and eight because I was fed when I was 11 when we had no money, no food on Thanksgiving. I'll never forget it. It changed my life. It wasn't the food. It was that strangers cared. And so I said, I care about strangers. It changed my whole life. But I wanted to know. And I asked this guy, Jim Ron. I said, how is it? My fathers work so hard. We don't have enough money for food. And he said, Tony, we're all equal as souls. Don't get me wrong, but we're not equal in the marketplace. And he said, the only way you, he said, if you want to make twice as much money so you have more for your family than you're making right now in the same time, can you do it? I said, I think so. He said, you absolutely can. He said, could you make 10 times as much money? I said, I don't know. He said, a hundred times, a thousand times. He said, Tony, absolutely. But you have to become more valuable in the marketplace. You have to make yourself more valuable. You have to add more value than anyone else in the marketplace. And if you do that year after year, you'll build a brand. If you build a brand, everyone on earth will come to see you. And I never forgot those words because I thought that's what life's about. Life, that's what every great religion, regardless of what you believe, I'm personally Christian, but whatever you believe, it's really about Treat thy brother like thyself, date thy neighbor like thyself, like do something more. And unless you find a way to do it, and Jenna, you're an example. That's why I wanted to visit with you. It's like, you know, you didn't just go get a camera and become a photographer. That would be adding value by itself. But you figured out how to succeed. And then you said, I'm not going to keep this to myself. I'm going to help others. Now you're helping millions of women and men to figure out what to do with their lives. You're more valuable in the marketplace. That's why you can be home with your daughter you know, three months old and, and not have to go anywhere and still have an incredible lifestyle for you and your man and for your family and for your life. And so I think it's so critical for your listeners to remember, you got to work harder on yourself than you do on your job. 
you know, people say to me, I have no time. I, you know, I'll never start a business. You know, I work from eight to five. And I said, well, what do you do from seven to two? Because <laughs> you know, that's how I did it. I worked as a janitor eight to five and yeah. I worked sometimes till two in the morning. But I found those five, six hours that wasn't. And I just, I read, I studied, I pushed myself. I called people. I did the things that would make me more valuable. And I've been doing it now. Now, by the way, most people, Jenna, they overestimate what they're going to achieve in a year and they're disappointed. But they underestimate what they can do in a decade. And for me, it's four decades now. So as so you look at what I'm doing now, you go, oh, wow, he's so lucky or he's so brilliant. I am blessed. There's no question. But I have built that over 42 years of every day demanding more for myself than anybody could expect and being obsessed with saying, how do I do more for others than anybody else in the category? And by constantly asking that question and demanding it, I've grown. And as a result, now I can feed a billion people, you know, 100 million people, 100 million meals a year. I can go out and save 2,000 girls from slavery with Underground Railroad. I can turn around and say, hey, I can plant 10 million trees in the last two years and plant 100 million. Those kinds of goals sound insane to some people, but it starts with how do I feed the first two people? It starts with how do I add more value? It starts with why, do, why am I getting a business? I'm not just getting a business to make money. If you do that, you're not going to do that well. But if you got a mission, like you want to serve something bigger than yourself, like you would for your children, like for your family, for your community, for mankind, whatever drives you, your goals affect you, whatever they are. And they can't just be make money or you won't get in this game because it's too scary, you know? But if you got something bigger than your fear, you'll get in the game and you can learn and you can grow, especially if you've got mentors like you, Jen. Yeah. You know, I was listening to one of your interviews and you had said something and it, it has stuck with me every single day, but it, you had started and you said, you know, a lot of people wait until they're rich to start giving. And, and I can't say it as eloquently as you said, but you were like, you think when you make a million dollars that suddenly you'll give a hundred thousand if you couldn't give 10 when you had a hundred, you know? And I feel like people yeah, are always waiting. You're not going to give a out of a dollar. You're not going <laughs> to give a million out of 10 or a hundred million out of a billion in a trillion years. I started when I had nothing. Yeah. I, I, you know, Jenna, you know, I, I was at a point where maybe some of your listeners are. I was at a point where I was working my tail off. And I don't know if anybody's listening can relate. I've gone through the springtime, grow, 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 go. And then I got to the summertime of that you go through in any business or any life where it's like, man, I busted my tail. I planted the seeds. I worked my tail up, but there's no fruit here. Well, you're in the summer. It doesn't come till fall. Mm -hmm. And then you get to fall and things are going well. And then winter hits. You know, the economy changes. Something occurs. But I remember I was at a point where I was working so hard. I was just completely physically, emotionally exhausted. I was driving home from Orange County, California, where I was working at the time to a place called Pomona, where I live. And I was going down this 57 freeway on my 1968 Volkswagen Baja Bug. And I was just frustrated. And I'd start out so excited in the business. And I was working for this man, Jim Rohn. And I realized what the problem was. I literally pulled off the side of the freeway. I still, I kept physical journals at the time. And I still have the journal. And I wrote in one large page, one phrase. I said, the secret to living is giving. And then I started to cry. Because I realized I got in it to help everybody. But then I was frustrated that I wasn't succeeding. So it was all about me. And so I got my act together. I started turning things around. But... Within a few months, you know, businesses are hard in the beginning. I, I didn't manage my cash flow. No one taught me how to run a business. I didn't have the distinctions I can teach people today and save them so much pain. I had to learn all that stuff the hard way. And there was no internet to give you this that was for free, you know? So I found myself, I, was, I moved to Venice, California. And it wasn't like it is now. It was a really terrible place, really run down. And I was living in this 400 square foot bachelor apartment. And I was feeling sorry for myself. And I was watching Luke and Laura on a program called General Hospital. <laughs> I was there for the wedding, Scorpio, the whole thing. Anybody old enough to remember that stuff? Your viewers probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But I was there. I used to make fun of those people. And I was feeling bad, feeling sorry. Couldn't pay my rent. 
And I was down to like $19, $20 and some change, you know, just a small amount of money, not enough to do anything. And I had to eat. And so I was like, okay, you know, I don't know money for my rent or anything else. I'm not going to take my car. I'm going to walk to this restaurant. I'm going to walk to a restaurant. I was living in Venice, you know, in Marina del Rey that's on the water, trying to inspire myself and think of it differently. And there was a place called El Chirito. So I walked, you know, not a far walk, three miles. I get there and I walk just because I didn't want to pay for parking or the gas. <laughs> and I remember I got in this place and it was vivid like it was yesterday. And I, I figured, okay, I'm going to load up for the winter. It's an all-you-could-eat taco salad bar. So I loaded up all these carbs, this giant plate, and went back for a second plate for whatever it was, five ninety five. I forget what it was, something like that. And while I'm eating my second plate, just finishing up, the door opens and this beautiful woman walked in. I couldn't help but look. And I was waiting to see if there was a man with her. And sure enough, there was. And he was probably eight. you know. And he's wearing this little suit and this little vest. And he held the door for her. And, and I just remember being so touched. He pulled the chair out for his mom. And and, it, and they, they looked at each other's eyes and had this conversation. I don't know what touched me. Maybe because I you know, didn't quite have that experience in my own life at that stage. And, and I was moved. I was moved to the edge of tears. And then, so I got up. And I had no plan. I wasn't, this wasn't something I figured out. And I paid my money and whatever, you know, $5.95. So I probably had $13, $14, $15 left and some change. And I walked up to this little boy and I introduced him. I said, hi, my name's Tony. And I shook his hand. He stood up and shook my hand. You know, I was this really proper kid. And I said, what's your name? And, you know, I forget what his name, Nick, whatever it was. And he goes, uh, I said, Nick, I said, I have to tell you, I watched you hold that door open for your lady. I saw you pulled the chair out for her. I see the way you're treating her. I said, you are a class act. He goes, she's my mom. (laughs) That's even better. And I I said, but it's pretty cool you're taking her to lunch like this. And he goes, well, I don't have a job yet. I'm eight. And I said, I didn't even think. It wasn't a plan. I said, yes, you are taking her to dinner or lunch. And I reached in my pocket, took all the money out in the world, 13, 14, 15, 16 dollars. I don't remember the exact amount. Put it down on the table. I didn't even count it. And I said, you are taking a lunch. And he looked at me and his mouth went open. His eyes got, you know, giant like garbage can covers. And he said, I can't take that money. I said, yes, you can. He said, how come? I said, because I'm bigger than you are. (laughs) And then he laughed and I laughed. I didn't even look at the lady. I wasn't doing it for that reason. And I walked out that door, Janet, and I didn't have my car there. And then I realized I have no car. (laughs) And I I skipped home. I probably looked like a total idiot, some tall white guy skipping down the street, you know. But I swear to God. I didn't feel any effort to get home in those three miles. And I got home, I was high as a kite. And I should have been freaking out going, I have no money for food tomorrow. I can't pay my rent. I woke up the next morning. I still had no fear. It was the first time I can remember in my life where I wasn't living in scarcity. And I woke up and I was like, part of me is like, you should be afraid. Like my mind, right? You should have fear. And my other part of me is like, no, you know, I did what was right, you know? And then I got the snail mail, which we used to get in those days, right? You know, old style mail. And I didn't want to look at it because it's so full of bills, but I figured I'd look at it. And then there was a handwritten note on the outside and I opened it up. And it was a man I'd been calling for three months who owed me $1,200. And he had not ever returned to my phone call. And I gave him one of the money when he really needed it. I didn't have a lot. And so I was mad, honestly, and hurt. And I read this letter and I started crying. His letter's like, I'm so embarrassed. You took care of me when I needed it most. I didn't even call you back. But I scraped the money together and there, here's the money and a little extra for interest. And I'm sorry you're having a tough time. I'm seeing this letter. I'm just crying uncontrollably. I can remember like it was yesterday. And I just like this question kept going through my mind. They're like, why? Why this now? And then I just realized it's like, because I did what was right. You know, I gave everything I had because it was right. I didn't do it for stars on my chart. I didn't do it to impress this woman. I didn't do it to try and get a date. I didn't do it to make myself feel good. I just did it because it was right. And by doing what was right, it come back to me. And I don't know if it's really true, but I figured that's why this check showed up at this point. You know, $1,200 in would make me last a month. You know, it would be amazing. 
But I've never, I've had ups and downs. You know, I got 54 companies that do 6 billion in business and it's diverse. I got a couple thousand employees in all these industries at this stage of my life. And I've had times in the early days where some of those companies didn't look like they're going to make it. The economy changed. Somebody stole money from me. You know, you go through all those stages of life and business, but I had never returned to that place of scarcity. So I tell you this long story because I want you to know it's not like, oh, now I'm a billionaire. And so now I give $100 million here and I just, it's bullshit. I'm here because I've done it every step along the way. And I really believe that when you give and it's from your heart, it's not for anything else. And you give because it's right. It teaches your brain there's more than enough. Mm-hmm. And then fear leads you. And when fear leads you, you're not going to have any trouble growing your business or starting your business. Ugh. When you talk about scarcity, it like touches me to the core because I feel like so many women specifically, also men, but so many women approach life from this place of scarcity and not abundance. I feel like we're taught to compete with each other. I feel like we're taught to weigh ourselves against other people. And I think a lot of my listeners, and I told you this off air, are are just simply waiting for permission to make a decision, whether it's a life decision, a business decision, an investment decision, like taking whatever season of life they're in and knowing that they can transform. And I just want to know, like, what would you say to a woman that's sitting there and saying, like, can I invent myself? Do I have something to offer? Can I do more? Like, am I worth it? Like, am I worth investing in myself? What would you say? I'd say the best investment you're ever going to make in your life with no exaggeration is the one you make in yourself. Because that's what I said earlier, you have to become more valuable. If I had just, you know, my mom wanted me and my mom's a beautiful soul. I wouldn't be who I am without my mom. My mom was addicted, unfortunately, to alcohol and prescription drugs. And so she got really crazy in those areas and beat the hell out of me. And I never even shared that until I was older because until she was passed away, because I was in front of this group of kids that were all African-American, all single moms and all abused. And I was trying to tell them what they could become. And I realized they're looking at this tall white guy that's now wealthy. And they go, yeah, you didn't know what the hell I'm talking about. So I told them the ugly parts, the mean parts, the difficult parts. And then all of a sudden I got through to them because I know it's real. So I just want you to understand that I, I come from a place that was extremely painful and there's no way I'd be here. I had no role models and no examples. I didn't think I was worth it either. I wasn't the guy, this Tony Robbins guy, I created him. He's who I am at my core, but I built this certainty into me. And the way I did it was by feeding my mind. It's like every single day, if you want five steps, when I get kicked in my house, I do this and I still do this. I'll give you five things I did. The first thing I realized is, you know, I got to take control of my mind or I'm in trouble because I was depressed. I was like, I love my mother more than anything, but I love my father. So my fourth father, he adopted me and he went back to Chicago. He didn't know I was on my own. My mom kicks me out. She chased me out with a knife. I know she's not going to kill me or hurt me, but I wasn't going back in that building and I got nowhere to go. I have no resources. I have no direction. So what did I do? I did not start a business. You know, I'm working as a janitor and still going to high school. So I went out and said, okay, this guy, Jim Rohn said, leaders are readers. And I thought, I've got to feed my mind. And so every day my goal was, since I had nothing else, I went, I'm old enough. There was no internet then. Certainly <laughs> uh, World Wide Web. I'd go to the, the library and I'd live in that damn thing. And I'd read biographies and I'd read the stories of people of what their lives were for at least two hours a day because I was so depressed. And I started realizing, holy shit, the greatest women in this world, the greatest men in this world, the greatest humans in this world usually went through the most difficult times where they didn't believe in themselves. They, they didn't start this way. It's just they found something they cared about more than their pain. That's the secret. You got to find something you will care about more than your fear of failure. And if you can find something like that, it's a different game. But I fed my mind every single day. Every single day I was reading something, and but not like internet clickbait that pulls you into <laughs> one thing into another. And it's, it's nothing real. 
I looked for things that would challenge me psychologically or give me a skill that I could then use to help someone, help myself. And the second thing I did, and I tell everyone you got to do is every day you got to feed and strengthen your mind. But number two, every day you got to feed and strengthen your body, which means courage and fear are both physical. You know, listeners that are not falling through yet, and I believe they will or they wouldn't keep calling. They might, they're getting enough repetition. Sometimes you got to hear something enough till it hits you the right way emotionally. And then they'll finally say, enough of this. I'm not waiting another day, another hour. I'm sure many of the women on this, uh, you know, listening to podcasts have had moments where you're in a relationship and, and you thought, oh, I want a relationship. Then you got one and thought, I don't want this relationship. <laughs> you wanted something different. You wanted the joy. You wanted the love. And you, and you got to a point where you, for years you rationalize and one day you go, not another day, not an hour, not a moment. And you step up and you get out of that damn thing, right? And you create a new life. It's like, that's what will shift your life is finding that part of yourself that will be stronger than the fear and that needs a mission. So I tell people, a lot of people don't start because they claim they don't know how. I don't know how to do any of these things. <laughs> and if I had to wait till I was confident to do these things, like because I'd done it before, I'd never begin. What I learned was act first. Like, you know, it's, I don't, courage is not that you're, you know, you're full of energy and you feel good. Courage is you're scared, but you do it anyway. And courage is a habit. It's physical. So every day, I do something physical to demand. You know, people ask me, you know, what are my rituals? Every morning I get up and the first thing I do is jump in 56 degree water. Unfortunately, I have multiple homes. I have cold plunges at 56 degrees. And my home in Sun Valley, Idaho, I literally go on the river, which is usually about 39 degrees. And it, there's not a single day, Jenna, that I wake up and want to jump in that water. <laughs> Why do I do it then? I do it because, yes, it's physically incredible. You put that much cold in your body, all the blood shunts through your whole body. All the organs feel fully alive. And when you get out, you feel like a million dollars. Going in doesn't feel so good. But the real reason I do it, more than even physical, is the mental discipline is most people negotiate with themselves. Okay, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, maybe tomorrow. I'll start my diet next week. And I was that way too. So I built the muscles, like any muscle. And the way I did it was, I'm going to jump in that water every day, no matter what. And there's no discussion. There's no, I don't negotiate with myself. I say now and we go. And I've done it so often that that's what happens. But where can someone start? I'd say feed your mind, feed your body. Third, get a great role model. Get multiple role models because nobody's perfect. If you're looking for perfection, your, your ego is going to get in the way. You're going to tear people down. Find multiple people. Jenna, you're one of them. I'm not saying that because you're on your podcast. You are. That's why these people are listening to you because you've done it. You're not a bullshitter. You're sincere. You're honest. You're, you're sharing your real experience, your foibles and your strengths. That's what makes people feel that it's real. But find a role model that's done what you want to do. You don't have to be them, but they can show you the pathway. They can shorten the time. That's what you know. Dean and I are doing now. We're doing this whole you know knowledge business blueprint company because he's got 20 years. I got 42 years in the knowledge business. And so it's what you're doing, Jenny. You're sharing knowledge. It's now, it's a $355 million a day business, $1.4 billion a year. And I want, you know, I got a friend who's like a woman who makes $350,000 cutting hair. Most people make $60,000 a year max. I said to her, honey, You've got unbelievable skills. Keep doing what you're doing, but you should share that knowledge. Let's extract how you do that. Let's build a little course, a little mastermind, and let's go share this with the world. So now she makes more money doing that than cutting hair, but she's sitting what she loves most. She still cuts hair. She loves it. But what she gets is this incredible fulfillment like you do, Jenna. Millions of people, I don't know, it's millions now for her. I have hundreds of people that love her because she's helped them double or triple their income. Because she's figured out, we've taught her how to extract her knowledge and build a course and make it happen. So get a role model and learn from the role model. And then fourth is you've got to get a plan. Well, you know, a lot of people don't start because they they got an idea. You need a plan. You need a plan. It doesn't need to be perfect. You just need a plan. You need to then act on that plan and then flex when it doesn't work because it's not going to work. Change your approach. It's like if your kid 
tries to walk and it doesn't work and they try to walk and it doesn't work you don't go to them dude you're not a walker just give it up (laughs) that kid's gonna keep trying until they walk well that's what you do here and then the fifth thing i tell people is find somebody worse off than you are and help them it'll remind you of how lucky you are remind you that your life is blessed even when you're in a challenging place so those would be five quick keys but at its essence most people don't start because they think they're not ready they're not qualified enough They're not good enough. What if I fail? They ask all these lousy questions. And the reason is they're trying to answer the question of how. I'll tell you a simple secret. Avoid the how initially. You need, I call it the tyranny of how. You know what you want and you got to want it so bad and you got to know why you want it. And then you'll figure out how. That's what you did, Jenna, right? And it's like, no one's showing you how to do this. You're showing other people. You did the same thing I did. You had a strong enough what and why. You knew what you want to do. You know why you want to do it. And then you iterated till you found ways to be able to help other people. When John F. Kennedy said, we're going to put a man on the moon at the end of this decade, you know, some people may remember, be old enough to remember that. Others probably don't know what I'm talking about. When he said that the guys in NASA were freaking out, they didn't know how to get to the moon. They had technology. Your phone has more technology than what landed the man on the moon to start with. Or, you know, Martin Luther King is another role model with me. I mean, here's a man who gets up and talks about his dream. He didn't know how to make that dream possible. And it took lots of years, but he knew why. And that's why he got mass number of people to respond. And now, you know, a few years ago, the President of the United States African-American. So I want people to know, yes, it's good to know the how, but 80% of success is really psychology. It's your mindset. It's your emotion. It's something you want to deliver. 20% is the mechanics. And I teach people both of those things because you need them both. But without the why, you can know how and not follow through. Oh, yes. I mean, there's just so much that you just said. I I always tell people like start before you feel ready because you're never going to feel ready and you're never going to start if you're waiting. You know, it's like, I feel like something I'm sure you can understand this as well is a lot of times we can look into others and see their gifts and see their secret sauce and see like how they can bring this value to the world. But when you look within, a lot of times it's like, why me? Or someone else is already doing it or there's nothing special about me. And I mean, you and I are both examples. Like I'm just a 30 year old mom in, in a tiny town in Minnesota who believed that she could and did, you know? And one thing that I think you kind of glazed over this, I'm not going to let you get out out of it, is my business mentor, Dean, we were just with each other in Puerto Rico and you two are doing this training. And when he started to talk about it, he lit up and you are teaching people how to make this impact and how to make money. And I had to Google this because I didn't believe either of you actually, that it's a $355 million a day industry. Is that legit? Yeah, that's right. 1.3 billion a year. And it's because it's poised to double over the next five years. And I never got into it for business. I gave it because I just love people and I wanted to help. But then I said, hey, I want to do this full time. I don't want to do other things I know that aren't passionate for me. And so I got better and better at it. And now, I mean, my gosh, I mean, most of what I do has come out of these basic fundamentals. So Dean listened to me 20 years ago, uh, been around a little while. And it inspired him and he built his first infomercials. And we've been friends for a little over a decade and we've been wanting to do something together forever. We're both so busy. And then when we started talking about this, we said, you know, if we could give people the gift of what we have yeah. so that, you know, a mom could say like, you know, I could be home and I can make a difference in the world doing what I love. I mean, I think that's what you're doing. You're teaching people how to make a living doing what they yes. love. I mean, that's really the essence of what I see you doing. Let's create more of those because we have both the marketing skill, like I know how to show somebody who's an expert, yep. you know, like, like what like my friend I told you about, she's an expert. She doesn't realize it at cutting hair, like to do 350,000, someone's doing 60, you got to do things very differently. Well, I showed her how to extract it. So I said, let's do that for people. Let's build a course that shows them about anyone who's got any skill, how to extract it, figure out how you do it. And then I know how to design courses that are unstoppable. I mean, you know, I get 10, 15,000, 50,000 people at these events 
people come that won't sit for a three-hour movie that someone spent, you know, $300 million to make, and I get their full attention. You know, their phones are down for four days and nights, you know, 50 hours during that time. That didn't start that way. I've learned what it takes. Mm -hmm. And so we put that into the course. Here's how to create your course. If it's for three people, 300, 30,000, doesn't matter. And then let's say you're not a person with a skill. Let's say you want to do what I did. I wrote a book called Money Master the Game. And I wrote another one called Unshakable. They're both number one New York Times bestsellers in their category. And they're, they've transformed my skill sets because I said, you know what I want to do? After 2008, all these people being screwed over by a small number of people in the financial world, I want to show people what to do because most millennials think I, I have so much college debt, I'll never be free. Most baby boomers think it's too late. And the next generation feels they got squeezed between. I want to show them they can still win this game. Even though it's rigged, it is rigged by some people. There's a way to get around the rigging and win this game. But how do they do it? I knew if I got up and wrote it, a bunch of people still think I'm a motivator, pump-up artist, or some bullshit. I've, I've never been that. I've never been a motivation. I believe in passion. You can hear that in my voice. I believe in energy. Because when your energy's low, you don't follow through. So I know how to generate that. But it's all strategy that makes it work. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a book that's unassailable. So I'm going to say, Tony Robbins wrote it. It won't be that. I'm going to interview Ray Dalio, <laughs> the greatest hedge fund investor in all time, Warren Buffett, right? Paul Tudor Jones. And so I did this. But not only did I take the smartest people in the world and extract them, Mary Callahan Erdos, by the way, who I was just with the other night, who runs JP Morgan, $2.7 trillion business that she runs, right? And I asked her about, for the ladies listening, about men too, you know, work-life balance. Yeah. And she goes, Tony, I've heard you say that's bullshit. She goes, I agree with you. It's total bullshit. No achiever has work-life balance. What you have is work-life integration. Mm -hmm. And like, she has time with her kids. She brings her kids to the office. Her daddy brought her to the office. He was in the financial business when she's young. And here's this woman, the most powerful woman, at least if not the, one of the most powerful on earth in the financial area. And nothing has stopped her. It didn't matter woman or not. She goes, it's a meritocracy. My entire thing is I do more. I add more value. It's her whole mindset before I met her. And I don't sacrifice my family. I know how to integrate these things in ways that give me the greatest possible reward. So for us, what we're doing in this course is saying, how do we take the best that we've learned and show you what I did in the beginning is go interview people. And that's what made me an expert. I went and interviewed the very best. I learned what they did. And quite frankly, over the last seven, and a half, eight years, I took my various $50, $100 million companies I built over almost 20 years and turned them into billion dollar companies by applying them because success leaves clues. You can compress decades into days if you learn from the best, and then I'll make you an expert. Or you can do what I did in the beginning. You could be a knowledge broker. You could say, you know what? I want to be at home, and I want to take really brilliant people, and I want to bring them to audiences. I want to market them. So we built software that helps you design, pull out the information from yourself or someone else, build the course, or help someone build a course that you want to do. Here are those marketing tools. I mean, you know, one line can change the responsiveness to your ad by 2,000, 5,000, 10,000%. It doesn't take any more money. It's just understanding how people respond. And so we've taken our 60 years experience and put that literally into an online program that you can not only learn the course, but you can do it as well. So all of this we're quite excited about because we think like, I want to create a whole nother community of people who realize I can do what I love and get paid for it. I can do what I love and make a difference. I don't have to do 50,000 people. I can start wherever I am. I started my, my first seminar. I didn't know anything I know now. I rented this big room in downtown LA at the Hilton Hotel. And I ran all these ads and I did it for free. I just want to help people. And I thought I'll have at least 500 people. So I got a room that like 600 plus and seven people showed up and they were all over the room in different positions. I brought them all down to the front row and, and then I went for four hours and buried these poor humans as if it was filled with thousands, right? But you build your reputation by your capacity to add that value. And I've done it when it was seven people for free. 
And I do it with, you know, as many as 50 or 60,000 people at a time, but you can get there. But you do need some guidance. And if you're interested, we're doing this this free course online, just a, a one-line piece. And I think you have the date. I think it's in April 30th. Yep. And we, I'm going to be on live, like chatting. Cause I'm, I am like so excited. Awesome. I've been digging in behind the scenes. It's kind of fun. Cause I get to watch everything that you guys are preparing. And I just, what I think is so exciting about this. And I told you this offline is you guys, I mean, you literally are the best of the best, but you're also offering this value to people that just need to hear this message. And like you said, people might've heard it a million times, but they've never seen it packaged this way and it's never been so complete. So Dean gave me a link. It's jennaslink.com. You can sign up. I'm going to be on the training. We can all chat together as we work through it. Um, and maybe we'll do some discussion questions and stuff afterwards because I'm super excited. So Again, you can save your seat at jennaslink.com and that's where we get to watch Tony and Dean come together. And I feel like we're going to break the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope so. I want to give in the one other thing for everybody too. You know, one of the financial books I'm committed, especially for women, because I feel the culture conditions women to think I'm not good with numbers. I'm not good with science. It's not women that do that. It's a cultural upbringing mm-hmm. and it's just not true. But you don't have to be great with numbers to be financially free. And even if you don't start a business, some people shouldn't start a business, but they can do something like this on the side that gives them an extra income, but they do need to know what to do with their finances. And so I wrote two number one, you know, Times bestsellers, but the shorter one, I did a 674 page one called Money Master the Game. But I wrote one called Unshakable, which is how do you make yourself so it doesn't matter what happens in the economy, you know you and your family are protected. And it's my mission. I donated all the money from both those books. That's part of how we fed you know, 400 million meals in the last four years, and we have 500 million this year, is through those books and some additional things I've done. But you can go to Amazon and get it for $14.95 and I donate the whole thing to Feeding America. Or I bought a bunch of them and I give them literally for just shipping and handling. So if you want to go to breakthrough.com, if you want to learn what to do for yourself financially, you can get that book literally for shipping and handling. I'll send it out. I just, I don't make any money on it. I just want to educate people because I'm tired of seeing good people suffer when the answers are not that difficult. You do need to take a few minutes and educate yourself and shift your beliefs. And that's part of what we do in the course, by the way, is in the longer course, it's like showing people truly, here are the things that you break through your fear because if you don't do that, everything you heard is worthless. And so that's, I start with that when I'm working with people because everybody has fears. I don't care what it is, but you can get around it. You can get through it and get over it. You just need some coaching and that's what we do. One thing before we wrap up that I want to touch on, because I think it was really inspiring to me. And, and I actually asked myself these questions is you say that everyone should ask themselves three questions every day. And it's what is something I can do for someone else today? What is something I can do to add value to the world today? And what is something that I can offer to other people? And I love these questions. I think it centers somebody when they're starting. And I also love that it has an end date. It's today. <laughs> but yes, I feel like one. my audience is afraid of two S's. And it's the fear of selling and the fear of success. I think some yes. women really struggle with more of not the idea of failure, but what would happen if I became a true success? I just want to know your thoughts on that. Because I think I mean, I feel like I've broken glass ceilings my whole life and I don't see ceilings anymore. But I think a lot of listeners are like, I don't know if I want to become successful. What do you say to that? Well, I think it's, you know, when you talk to people and go deeper than the surface conversation that they're having with themselves and really get them to think, let's talk about both those. Let's first talk about success. Most people are afraid of succeeding. And it's a little different for men and women sometimes. 
Because women think oftentimes, well, if I'm successful, I won't have time for my kids. If I'm successful, you know, my relationship will suffer. Or if I'm successful, I'm really successful and the men will be threatened by me and I won't, you know, I won't have that experience. Or I can't succeed because there's a, you know, glass ceiling that keeps us from doing that and pay is an equal and all those things. But when you talk to Oprah, when you talk to Mary Callan Erdos, if you talk to any woman, Ariana Huffington, these are all my friends. These women are unbelievably successful than any man in their category and they're totally successful and they have not given up their family, have not given up their friends, they've not given up their love, they've not given up their self and they haven't had to become masculinized. They can use the masculine part of themselves and the feminine part of themselves. They're not, they're not having to be one thing and I don't think any woman should be trapped into that belief. But I think men have the same piece because also what comes with success is fear that you won't keep it, right? It's like, oh, if I succeed, the minute you succeed, like, you know, anybody who's famous will tell you this, like you succeed and you think all oh, these people are going to love me <laughs> and many do but many other people if you keep succeeding they get a little annoyed like easy for you they forget what your roots yeah. are what you've done they don't realize you're being rewarded in public for what you busted your tail over 10,000 10 million times in private for and so there's a little bit of resentment that goes with that and also if you succeed can I keep it going that's the fear so it's really fear of success is often a fear of failure underneath it because can I keep it going but the selling one, and, and the answer to that, by the way, is you know, <laughs> all you need to do is focus on something you care about more than failure, yeah. more than you care about more yeah. than fear. And like, you know, again, most of us do more for our kid than we'll ever do for ourselves. I believe motive does matter. If you're just trying to serve yourself, you get a certain level of insight. You know, when I became overnight a father to four kids and I was 24 and the woman I married was 13 years my senior. So all of a sudden, instantly, I got a 17-year-old son, I got an 11-year-old, I got a five-year-old and one on the way. I grew a whole different level because it wasn't just about me anymore. When I decided I want to support community, it got bigger. When I really became committed, not what anybody else thinks, what I know in my soul, I'm committed to help any human I can, humanity. You get a different level of insight because life supports life. You're just trying to support yourself. Life will give you insight to support yourself. You're part of life. But if you're trying to support more than that, you get a different level of insight. As far as selling is concerned, leaders, what makes somebody a leader? It's their ability to influence. What makes someone a great mom? <laughs> Her ability to influence. Right? What makes somebody a great dad? What makes you a great business person? Leadership is influence. And that's a simple way. Like, I think a great leader is a great salesman. And I know most of us, when we think of a salesman, the first thing we think of is a person with super high integrity that loves us and cares for us and looks out for us. <laughs> and you know, a white shoe salesman. And I talk like what most people think of salesmen. And some people judge me because I talk so fast. It's because I have so many pictures in my mind. A picture's worth a thousand words, right? I'm, some people are more auditory. So they speak more with this tone and this tempo. That's not Tony Robbins. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that, but I can never deliver as much in 40 minutes if I did that. So I tend to speed up. And some people are more, you know, more kinesthetic. <laughs> doesn't feel right to me. And so I'm not going to appeal to everybody because I kind of kick into gear, but we all have different gifts. And what you have to understand is you can talk fast, slower in between, and you can be an influencer. You don't have to influence with personality. You can influence with your ideas. You can influence with the product you create. You can influence just with your love and with your caring. But a great leader is a person who's able to sell. They influence the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions, and the actions of other human beings for a greater good. A leader that's a lousy leader has all that influence, but they do it just for themselves. And so I look at it and say, everything that you, as your listeners are in a room someplace or in their car, look around. Everything you see in this economy that makes America one of the greatest places, the greatest choices on earth, that's helped us to help the rest of the world, to pull so many people out of poverty, all this came because somebody sold something. The car you're in, somebody sold. The materials were sold to the manufacturer. Somebody sold the idea, the design of that car. Think about it. 
If you're wearing a cotton outfit, a shirt or whatever you're wearing, it, that's not your shirt. Think how many people have played a role in it. There's the farmer who then it would have died there unless he could have sold it to the manufacturer, who then had to get a designer to sell him how to do it, who had to sell it to a wholesaler, had to sell it to a retailer, had to sell it to Amazon, who now sells it to you and delivers it to you overnight. Like nothing on this economy would stop without salespeople. If you have a company and you're not the best salesperson in your company, your company's not going to make it. I don't mean you're the most... Uh, you, you have the greatest vocabulary or you got the greatest elevator pitch. I just mean you believe so much in what you do that you're not doing it for any reason except to serve. And you can't fake that. People will feel that. So, yes, it's good to learn some negotiation tools. Yes, it's good to learn some influencing tools. There's no question. Those are skills worth getting and anybody can get them. But it really starts with you just deciding that what I have is so valuable that to not deliver it to people would be to hurt them. You know, in business, you know, in finance, we call it a fiduciary. You know, most people that you, you know, broker or something like that, they might be a really good human being, but they're caught of a system where they're incentivized to sell you stuff, whether it's good for you or not. There's a small number of people called fiduciaries, registered investment advisors. These are people that have to put your needs ahead of their own. If they tell you buy Apple this morning and then you buy it and they buy it later cheaper, they have to give you their stock. They're a fiduciary. If you operate, it's a big word, an F word, but a good <laughs> F word, right? If you operate, where you're a fiduciary, where I know that I have to get through to you because if I don't, I'm going to hurt you. My mindset is when I meet somebody, always one or two people are going to be influenced. They're going to influence you on what they can't do, or you're going to influence them on what they can do. If they win, we both lose. If I'm able to influence what they're really capable of, we both win because life moves forward. Your family moves forward. You get to have a life like you have, Jenna. So my call to everybody listening is don't settle for listening to podcasts. Like, you know, we're trying to make this so simple and make it even simpler for you by breaking it down in steps. But think of it this way. Complexity is the enemy of execution. The more complex you make things, the more difficult it is. Stop making it so dramatic. Put the emotion aside and just take the first damn step. Commit yourself, right? You know, I tell people I have to do these seminars where we do the firewalk for fun. I used to do <laughs> skydiving, but hard to get ten or 15,000 people above the city in plain middle of the night. So you use firewalking as a metaphor for facing your fear and getting yourself to take action. And I got to tell you, people get in front of that fire and they're scared to death, but they learn in a few seconds how to physically change the body where there's no fear and they storm across. We've actually monitored people in the audience to see what's happening to their cortisol, their stress levels. At the beginning of the seminar, their stress levels are super high. By the time they go and walk on the fire, the, their stress levels through the floor. The feeling on the other side is like they feel when they jump out of an airplane, but they learn how to put themselves in that place. So my call to everybody listening is please don't settle. Don't settle for more education. You know, if your education leads to knowledge, you're a fool. Let your knowledge lead to action. And then you can do something that's beautiful for you and your family, not only financially, but spiritually and emotionally. You want a meaningful life. Why not also have a great economic life while it's meaningful? Why not, if you're living in a, in a free country where there's free enterprise, why not become an owner instead of just an operator? If you're interested in that type of thing, go get started right now or come to our class and we'll show you how to do this. But do something today before you leave because... One of the things I taught my daughter, my daughter, I'm really proud of her. She came to me at one time, and I'll never forget, she was always wanted to be a dancer on, on Broadway. And we lived in California. And I adopted my daughter from an early, early age. And I would constantly kind of program her mind about she can do anything, who she can be. And I remember she was in school, and she was getting straight A's, and she was winning all these dance classes and she's in college. She came home for Christmas, and I was having a conversation. I said, hey, Joe, how, Julie, how are you, how you doing on your dream? And she goes, what do you mean, Dad? I said, you know what I mean? You're dreaming to be a dancer. She goes, well, I'm doing great in school. I'm getting straight A's. And 
I'm winning all my competitions. I said, I know that's what's bothering me. You win every time. That means you're not growing. You're not facing anybody that's really making you, pushing you to grow. Because if you win every time, there's not the growth. She goes, well, what are you saying? I say, honey, I said, I think you look at me and you think my dad's a genius. And of course I am. <laughs> right? They said, but my genius, honey, is not my intelligence, which I value. My genius is my ability to get myself to take action before I know what's sure. If you got to wait till you know everything to act, you'll never get there. It's my ability, even though I'm scared to do it anyway. And I said, I take massive action. I don't let an opportunity go by without grabbing it by the hair. I don't, I, if I don't have the money, I come up with it. You know, that's how I got here. I don't have the money to go to these seminars and read these books and do these things. But I knew if I didn't do it, I wouldn't have the value in my life. I said, my problem is, are you doing great in school? You're competing against people you're better than, and you're winning all the time. I said, but proximity is power. If you want to be on Broadway, you need to get over and be in Broadway and learn from the best teachers in the world and compete against the best. And I said, my problem is, you're doing great, but there's a timeline on a dancer. If you don't understand there's a timeline on everything, you will not have what I have, which is urgency to take action now. And she goes, well, gosh, dad, this is like a big thing. What are you saying? I said, I think you should move to New York. I think you should train with the best on earth. I said, I will support you in the move. And I'll support you in the training, but you got to pay for your own living because I'm not going to have you be a spoiled little brat. I said, so you, I'll pay for the training. You pay for your living. I said, it's not going to be easy. She goes, well, when should I do this? I said, when would now be a good time? She goes, dad, we're in the middle of it's December. We're in the middle of the semester. I said, leave school and go do this now. She goes, dad, you're the one who told me to go to school. I said, yeah, I know it's wrong. I said, there's a timeline on a dancer and you're coming up on it. So I don't know if you have this gift. You're my daughter. I believe you do. But I, I think the only way you're going to know is if you put yourself on the line. So she goes, well, do you mind if I get a, a you know, a painting from somebody in the business? Said, That's okay, honey. I get paid a million dollars for my advice for coaching <laughs> somebody. You should go to somebody else. Can't be a, you know, you can't be a teacher in your own land. And she laughed. And she, I said, who are you thinking of? She told me a gentleman that worked at CAA who was a friend of ours. And uh, I said, honey, that's a brilliant idea. Go call him. She goes, wait, I said, now. So she leaves. I dial him. True story. And he picks up the phone. Thank God. And I said, listen, my daughter's about to call you. This is what I told her. If I'm full of shit, tell her I'm full of shit. But is it true? Shouldn't she work with the best? He goes, Tony, absolutely. She's not going to do an LA. She needs to go to New York. So hang up the phone. She comes back. She goes, his line's busy. <laughs> and I said, call him again. She called him again. Comes back like 45 minutes later. There's a long conversation. She goes, he says, you're right. This is what I got to do. So I take my little daughter and we fly her with her mommy and we fly her to New York. We find this little apartment and she starts training with the best. And six months later, I'm coming to go see her. And she says, dad, you know, I want to surprise you. I want to pick you up. And I get to the airport and it's not her. It's a limo driver. <laughs> How's she paying for this? Holy cow. And they take me right past her apartment to downtown Broadway. Oh. And I get in front of this big theater. It says Tommy. And there's my daughter's name on there six months later, starring on Broadway. Why? She had the talent. Most of your listeners have talents they don't know they have. But she wouldn't have known it if she hadn't put herself on the line and put herself in the environment. So I always tell people proximity is power. If you get in proximity of the best, you're going to learn things. They're going to accelerate your growth. Get yourself in oh. the game. Well, I wish I could talk to you all day because this is so exciting. I'm just so excited for this to hit the ears of my listeners. And in terms of proximity, thank you for giving me time to be near you. Um, you are such an inspiration. Is there any closing remarks, any last words of wisdom, or is it time to hang up the phone? <laughs> I think we've said enough. I think it's all about action now and people just being kind to themselves. I just say one thing. You're not going to, it's not a straight up pattern. If you're expecting that, it's going to be unfair. I, if I could give you one piece of advice, it's that there's two master lessons in life. If you want to have the quality of life that you desire and deserve for yourself, for your family, for those you love, for yourself personally, 
you just got to first master the science of achievement. It's like, how do I take what I envision and make it real? I mean, that's what I teach people. So many different ways you can learn it from Jenna. You can learn it from anybody, but you got to learn it because that's how you get a life that's extraordinary. But I know lots of people that have achieved a lot and are miserable as hell. And the second master lesson, I believe, is you got to master the art of fulfillment. And it's an art, not a science, because what lights you up will be different than even your best friend or even your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your children. And, you know, some people get lit up by, you know, writing a poem. Some people lit up by making a bunch of money. Some people lit up by learning something new. You got to find what lights you up because, you know, when you get on an airplane and first thing you do is show you how to use a seatbelt as if you don't know after 20, 30, 40 years. And the second thing they do is they say, if we get into trouble, this oxygen mask is going to pop out. And what do they tell you to do? When it pops out and there's no oxygen, put it on your yep. child first. <laughs> no, they tell you, put it on yourself first. It sounds so selfish. But the reason is, especially for the ladies listening who so often have been taught to be unselfish, and I think it's also in your biochemistry, it's why we as a species survive. It's because you're willing to give your life for another one to live, to come through you. But I think in the midst of that, you got to remember, if you don't take care of your own sense of fulfillment, there's going to be very little of you to give to those you love. So please, please take care of yourself and be kind to yourself. And remember, it's not a straight line. Remember what I said earlier. You're going to overestimate what you're going to do in a year, and you'll underestimate what you'll do in a decade. And a decade will happen. Ten years from now, my teacher Jim Rohn used to say, you're going to surely arrive. The question is where? If you get started now, the time will go by so fast, and you'll be where you want to be versus being in a place you don't want to be. Tony, thank you. Thank you so much for hanging out today. I think you set the bar pretty high for any men to follow in your footsteps on the Gold Digger podcast. <laughs> well, thank you, Jenna. I, I, I'm very honored to be the first man on. I hope you'll have some, a few of us other token <laughs> men in the future. <laughs> Does anyone else have goosebumps? Maybe it's this new season I'm in as a mother, but I feel like Tony's charge for us as women to pursue fulfillment, to invest in ourselves, to never play small. Now that is a message I can get behind. I hope you enjoyed this bonus episode of the Gold Digger podcast. What a gift. And if you want to check out that webcast that I'm so excited to watch, the one that Tony and my business mentor, Dean, are leading for free to continue this exact conversation, head to Jenna's link dot com. Sign on up, be prepared to hear about how you can harness your own power and get the right tools to share it with the world. And I can promise you this, these men will be bringing so much value. Again, sign up, save your seat at jennaslink.com, show up and I will be right next to you soaking in every single word. Until next time, gold diggers, keep on digging your biggest, wildest, most audacious goals. The world is waiting for you to do just that. Thanks for listening to the Gold Digger Podcast. Dive into the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.golddiggerpodcast.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. The more the merrier. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time, you gold digger you.